1: Are you finished fixing your hat?
0: No, I don't like the way it's looking.
1: <laughs> well, hi everyone, and welcome to the Beckett T NBA show. I'm your host, Catherine Baker. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. Joining me, perpetually and never-ending, fixing his hat. You know him, you love him. It's Oren Weisfeld. How you doing?
0: Never happy, never satisfied. You know, just uh, <laughs> just the same old, same old with me. Um, but no, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Came uh, came back from the Pascal return game yesterday, which mm-hmm. was pretty hype, even though the Raptors lost. And um, yeah, there's there's a lot going on in the NBA right now. So I'm excited to be here.
1: Yeah, well, I'm always happy to have you on. Uh, first of all, we have to congratulate you because it was announced earlier I... today that you are writing a book. Tell it us was about announced. It.
0: it was announced. Yeah. So I'm writing a book. It's uh, about the growth of Canadian men's basketball. It's uh, with ECW Press. Um, I've known about it for a while, but I'm excited to to put it out into the ether finally because it's mm-hmm. been a long time, long process. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've I've been covering Canadian basketball and the and the men's team uh, for a while now, so uh, this is kind of the, the culmination of all that. And, and I want to kind of tell the, the whole overarching story of how we got here to be one of the most, you know, well-represented countries in the NBA to have this team that's now going to the Paris Olympics. And, and there's a lot of factors that, that went into this kind of, you know, balloon of talent. And I'm excited to tell that story. So, uh, It'll be available in fall of 2025, but you can you can follow me on Twitter mm-hmm. um, at Oren Weisfeld if you want to keep up to date. Where I will be shamelessly plugging this book for the next year of my life.
1: Well, yeah, as you should. I, so, are you going to get to go to Paris? No. Come on.
0: <laughs> I know it's, you
1: got to convince them. You it's have very to convince, disappointing. You have to convince your publisher to send you to Paris. How could you not be there? You're not going to write. <laughs> Like you gotta be there.
0: I know. I trust me. I, I've done everything. Again, my publisher has no no sway here. It's all about the the C O C, the Canadian Olympic Committee, and um, they don't care about books. Essentially, is uh is the bulk of the story. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, it's. I'm never gonna say never. I'm definitely still still trying to go to Paris, but as of right now, it's not looking great. But. <laughs> That's okay. This is a I mean, I would I would think Paris. you would
1: have it by now if you were
0: going. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But like you're right. Like it seems silly not to be there. Um, but at the end of the day, the Paris part of it is is only like the very end of this story. Mm-hmm. And you know, the last twenty five years the climax, years history, if you will. Well, it it's is the, the climax, yes. yeah. Yeah. But the last twenty five years of history is is bigger than that. So You know, it'll be it'll be a good book, regardless of if I'm in Paris or not. But no, I'll do everything I can.
1: No question. It'll be an amazing book. And you can also like interview so many of these players as they're in town, Mm -hmm. you know, on their respective NBA teams. So there's no Mm -hmm. doubt it'll be a great book. I just want you to be in Paris.
0: I want to be there, too,
1: because I I'm not going to Paris. Yeah. So somebody I know should go.
0: Yeah. Paris would be sick. I've always wanted to go to an Olympics.
1: I've always wanted to go to yeah. an Olympics, a Summer yeah. Olympics.
0: Preferably. You're right, You're right? Yeah,
1: yeah. And it's gonna be bougie and fun. Anyway. They got good food in Paris. Yeah, you know, it's just we just gotta yeah. start the narrative. That's where it, you know <laughs> what I mean. Like we just start it now, and like yeah. we get all the other like Raptors people like tweeting like, "Orange, Orange to Paris." <laughs> Hashtag hashtag or orange to paris
0: I mean I'm I'm ready if you are
1: All right I am I am <laughs> don't think don't think I won't Uh <laughs> my my Twitter account is very low stakes um, yeah. but don't think I won't don't think I won't Um all right let's jump into some basketball yeah. stuff we're going to do NBA first and then all the latest with the Raptors including Pascal's return and more Uh let's start off with what I'm just going to fully off the top call an absolute bogus story and i'll say why and that is the warriors were trying to get lebron james at the trade deadline so espn's ramon shelbourne released the story that you know the warriors are trying to get lebron james rich paul confirmed that it's true uh however you know lebron is happy in la i am considering this a bogus story because in my humble opinion i don't think as a gm you're doing your job if you don't know what it takes to get any respective superstar on any team like your job is to know what these packages are and it's like to me what would be a real story is if the lakers were considering trading lebron james to the Mm -hmm. warriors for whatever like to me that's a real story but to just say the warriors tried it Come on, that's not that's nothing to me. That's a nothing burger to me. This is a staged PR stunt, and and, you know I'm I'm in a bit of a cynical mood today. So you can you can Mm. reel me back if you need. Good. I I just I feel like you know this was a publicity stunt. I feel like this was put on. I'm sure that by who? By
0: who? By By the bronze people? By the Lakers? Okay.
1: Because I I'm sure I'm sure Mike Dunleavy Jr. made a call. Like, I'm not saying that isn't true, but the fact that it's a news story, I feel was deliberate to ensure the Lakers fan base that LeBron is, in fact, happy to be in L.A. Not that other people aren't interested because, you know, he had the hourglass emoji thing that everyone freaked out about and you know, all this other stuff. And, you know, LeBron is, you know, he's not exactly known for being loyal. So there's or that. Or quiet. Or quiet, for that matter. And and I just think they needed to make themselves look good. Maybe if it wasn't put on by the Lakers, then I think it was put on by Rich Paul. But it was hmm. put on by somebody.
0: Yeah, because it's yeah.
1: just too weird of a story to me. And it's such a non-story but every yeah. but it blew up and everyone was talking about it which is why we have to talk about it also but i'm going mm-hmm. at it with my very cynical lens today
0: i like cynicism um <laughs> wait so this is this is a nothing it's not even a veggie burger this is a nothing burger to you yes wow.
1: i listen shout out to the veggie burger i have nothing against a veggie burger
0: okay <laughs> I do, but
1: I, I I used to be vegetarian for a long me
0: time. Me too, me too, for five years. But really,
1: uh, and you know what? I I've got done so, my part. I got so sick of veggie burgers because mm. you would go to a restaurant and that's all they would have.
0: Yeah, I do like a portobello mushroom burger though. That's yeah,
1: but I just got so sick. I was like, I can't even look at a veggie burger anymore. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway. Um,
0: I I think the way I read it was it's a PR stunt. It is. It is an okay. Story.
1: So you also read it, it as a PR stunt.
0: However, okay. Okay. I actually saw it from the side of the Warriors, mm. and maybe this is my bias from being very critical of the Warriors' deadline choices, aka doing literally nothing, mm. uh, while Steph Curry continues to put up another year of insanity and mm-hmm. is uh, getting up there in his later thirties. So I read it as uh hey we're trying to get LeBron James we're trying to do everything to surround Steph with a co-star. We're serious about winning with uh with these guys again and and we're building on this timeline and we're not we're not just concerned about the young guys. We want to win now. And all that stuff like they got it leaked that like we we really made a push for LeBron at the deadline. Whereas, like, they knew they weren't getting LeBron at the deadline. But maybe, A, it's, like, a long play. They can try to get him in the in the offseason. But, B, I think it's, like, to Steph, hey, we're trying. We're trying to get you help. My problem with that is, like, you could have actually gotten him help. <laughs> like,
1: uh-huh.
0: and I've been saying this the whole time, but, like, the Warriors should have traded for Pascal Siakam. That would have been a real way to help. Stuff right now and they had what it takes like they would have had to include Kaminga in the deal they didn't want to they want to build around Kaminga or like they want to build around the two timeline approach and everything and that's kind of where we are with them it seems like but like I I just I just hate that I hate that so much as much as I like Kaminga and I think he's going to be really good I don't think he's going to be good enough this year or next year and with like Clay, Steph, and, and Draymond, that's when you gotta be good. So um maybe this is like a Hail Mary to get LeBron, sure, but you can't throw all your eggs in the LeBron basket because it's such a risky play. And it's
1: a huge risk. I mean, he's yeah. gonna be forty at the end of next year. Like
0: right. That's pretty old. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, obviously everything he's doing has been like unprecedented for his age, but it's like you got to figure like the time's ticking on this as well. Uh, Even more with him. I have a theory about the Warriors. And I think like, you know, first of all, I agree with you. They should have traded for Pascal Siakam. But I think like when when you look at that city and that franchise, it's so uh, expensive. Right. Like, they, you know, everybody talks about like their payroll being in the luxury tax and all that but it's also expensive as a fan. You know what I mean? Like they have a lot of like high end season ticket holders and stuff like that and I think, you know, if their, you know, dynasty is over, then they can't leave these high rollers with nothing. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's another reason why you have to hold on to somebody like Kaminga and even like now like Brandon Pachemski is, you know, doing well for them and all that. Because it's like you have to give that fan base somebody to be excited about. And it's like if you roll the dice on Siakam and then that era ends and then you're like completely rebuilding from scratch, it's like you're not going to be making the money that you need to make to, you know, compensate for this luxury tax and everything else they have so i think that's actually kind of what it came down to
0: yeah but you look at the clippers who have gone in the opposite direction like they don't have a first round pick of their own until 2031 Mm -hmm. because they've just gone all in on this core and they're also building a new stadium like i wrote about this recently and it's Mm -hmm. like super risky of course and and the fan base when those guys retire is probably in for some dire years, but. Ultimately, you don't like. I just don't believe in like a two timeline approach. Like, you're never gonna get a Kawhi Leonard or a Steph Curry again. Those are once in a generation players. So when you have them, you have to do everything you can to give them the best odds of winning a championship. So that's yeah. kind of like I get it. Though, like what I'm asking them to do in terms of training Kaminga for a Siakam would like leave the franchise in, in a bad state. But it's like. It's not like these are poor people. They can they can have a few <laughs> years where they're not making absorbent amounts of money. You know, I'm okay with that. They're still yeah. coming out on top.
1: I I am too. I agree with you. Yes. I just think that's why they did what they did. Um, I agree.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I, I think, think like so with the
1: Clippers too. Like that's super interesting. I think like isn't Steve Ballmer like the richest? uh team owner. owner yeah yeah
0: i think him and the Suns guy
1: yeah yeah like they're they're kind of on another level of billions but also i think like a, like a new stadium in la is gonna make money you know what i mean it'll make money off of like concerts off of sports like beyond just mm-hmm. the clippers like it's gonna you know
0: mm-hmm. but
1: um but anyway yeah i i agree i don't think the two timeline thing it's hard to say if it like completely didn't work because they did win in 2022. So I don't think it was like, it's It's not all bad. Yeah. So it's like, I see why they invested in this, but it's just, you know, I I agree. Like they got to give Steph one more realistic run. And I think they talked themselves into this team being good enough because they did have like a five game winning streak recently and all that. And they figured stuff out to a degree like they yeah. they went from being the bottom of the west to being a playoff team in my opinion. I think yeah. they will be a first round playoff team. I think their ceiling is second round and that's yeah. being extremely optimistic. But yeah, I agree it's not good enough. Um yeah. the whole clay situation is like become gone i could talk about the warriors and this is like yeah for a long time this is fully a raptors podcast but i just wanted to bring this this whole story up because it was just wild and it was just such a bizarre pr stunt
0: yeah but on the other side of it do you actually think lebron is going to leave la at any point in his career
1: well when he went to la i think we were all under the impression he would retire there um mm-hmm. i think the only real factor is the whole brawny thing Hmm. Right. Like if Bronny, like whoever Bronny gets drafted to, will LeBron just make, you know, bully his way over there. That would, to me, that's the only real exception. I don't think like, you know, there's rumors that like, oh, like LeBron's always wanted to play with Steph and stuff, but they're doing that in the Olympics.
0: I hope so... not, but yeah. <laughs> I, I really hope Steph doesn't play in the Olympics. I
1: think they are playing. For
0: selfish in reasons. reasons but yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But I think they are in the Olympics together. So that's like. Yeah, I
0: think they will as long as neither of those teams goes far in the playoffs.
1: hmm Yeah. Which I don't think either will. Um. But yeah, I, I just. Sorry, now I've lost my train of thought.
0: You, you might, You think he might leave to go play with his son. I think that's fair. Um,
1: Oh, this is the one last point I wanted to make about it um, is, okay. this is just another like, you know, theory that I have. So do you remember back when, you know, after Kobe tore his Achilles and the Lakers gave him this like huge, like $50 million contract, mm
0: -hmm. even though
1: he wasn't like the player that he was? Anyway, I remember that being a big deal at the time, and I think the Lakers were trying to send this message that, like, you know, we will take care of you at the end of your career, and this is a place where we want superstars to retire. And I think that was, in part, part of the pitch to get LeBron in the first place. So I think that is, you know, obviously, like, LA is LA, but I think that was also, like, a huge part of it as to why he went there it's like okay this is going to be my last city and i can retire here and they're going to keep paying me and that's what the lakers do and that's part of their culture and that's part of like you know genie buses kind of stamp on the franchise so you know i would be pretty shocked if he left um even to play with brawny like i don't know i I, yeah. I think it'd be pretty surprising but i think that's the only reason he would go at this point
0: that's where I'm up too. And again, maybe part of this story was to put some pressure on the Lakers front office to do something this off season. And if they don't, then maybe he, he'll, he'll leave to Golden state is kind of the assumption. But um, I agree. I don't think he's going anywhere. I, I think, first of all, Bronny's not even like, a, like he's, he might not even be a first round pick. He might not even come out of college uh, this uh-huh, year. So uh-huh. If the Lakers really want Bronny, they could probably go get like a high late first round pick for one of their players and draft him. And I think that's the most likely option they get. Maybe they draft Bronny more likely they trade their they're they're going to have three first round picks to trade this offseason. Trey Young keeps being mentioned. I think that would make a lot of sense. They go get a star and LeBron signs one more lucrative deal in L.A.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I yeah, I completely agree. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, we've got NBA All-Star Weekend coming up, baby. Uh, do you care? Do you like All-Star Weekend? Where are you at with this?
0: I mean, like, funny story <laughs> is, like, uh, I I was oh, I was an All-Star guy. And, like, the Kyle Lowry when they made it to Elamundang and Kyle took a charge. And I was like, oh, you're getting the best players in the world playing hard against each other finally we got that for a couple years there and it was just like great i was all into it uh-huh. i like the three-point shootout as well dunk contest is hit or miss some years really good so like i'm an all-star guy but last winter i was in costa rica i took like a vacation during the all-star break and there was like an american bar there so i went there for all-star for the game uh-huh. and i was like you know meeting people as one does on vacation alone and just like Cause I made them change the channel to the All Star Game and everything, so people were like asking me about it, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, don't worry. Like the All Star Game's good again. Like make make the All Star Game great again, you know." And I was like, just... <laughs> "So like, I had some people watching with me, and it was so bad last it was year, bad. yeah, that I was like embarrassed. Oh no! And I was like, I'm sorry for making you watch this. Like this was so horrible, and um, and now I'm out, you know, like." It- I know they changed like the format a little bit to go East West, but until they incentivize it in some way or or until they actually like play hard, I'm pretty out on it. Like I, I don't even think I'll watch the game unless like I see it's close in the fourth quarter.
1: Damn.
0: I used to love it, but the NBA got to do something about it. It's terrible.
1: I agree. They do need to do something about it. It needs to be a competitive game. And uh, it makes it makes fans more jaded when it's obvious that players don't care. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, what about Saturday night? Like, are you into the dunk contest? Are you into the three point shootout?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I've always liked the three point shootout. And again, the dunk contest is like hit or miss. There's some years that it's really good. Some years, not so much. Last year, that was the best part of the weekend. Uh Because Mac McClung actually just like went crazy and I was really impressed with him and didn't expect anything. And I think, you know, pretty good, pretty good slate this year. So I'm looking forward to those events uh, more than I am the, the game.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Um, Let's talk about the slam dunk contest for a minute. So we have Mac McClung coming back. Uh, We also have Jalen Brown. Uh, We have Hawkes Jr. And uh, Jacob Toppin, not Obi Toppin. I thought it was Obi until right now. Yeah, of the Westchester Knicks. Nice. So I believe that's another G League player. So we have two G League players, as well as a legit All Star, and yeah. then and then Hami Hawkins Jr. So kind of an interesting mix this year. Do you have any personal favorites or anything like that?
0: They should have put Scotty in the dunk contest. That would have been fun.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: But I, I don't think he knew he was going in time to the All Star. Uh, I guess if I had to predict, I'll go Mac McClung back-to-back. Back. No disrespect, mm-hmm. but I feel like he has more time to practice these dunks mm-hmm. than the, the other guys. Uh, so that's where I'm going. But I, I feel like Jalen Brown and, and Jaime as could both be great. Know nothing about Jacob Toppin. Absolutely zero. Don't know what he looks like. So can't can't give you much there.
1: Uh, I don't know what he looks like either but he must be pretty good if he's in it
0: nor should we know what he looks like
1: (laughs) do you do you think he's obi Toppin's like younger brother
0: yeah yeah i do
1: obadiah and jacob
0: is that his name
1: i don't know i assumed obi was short for obadiah well i i don't know i just assumed uh i think they could be related and obi Toppin didn't he win a previous year no he was in it a previous year though yeah, yeah i don't I remember who won, won. It. uh I, I it think is obadiah
0: mac... richard Toppin jr obadiah richard Toppin, Jr. what a name <laughs> nice
1: uh yeah i i think mac mcclung i you know i'm not a betting person but i think i would put my money on him again um i do want to shout out jalen brown for being in it i mean he's yeah, the me first too all-star to do this contest in a really long time um and i'm happy you know i feel like this saturday night and i want to talk about steph and sabrina as well because the thing that really excites me is that we have people in saturday night that are just not afraid of the moment and i feel like for years we've had people like you know afraid to be in the dunk contest and stuff like that and like the thing that really impresses me about sabrina doing this three-on-three challenge with Steph is like she is really like she's about that life like she's not afraid of Steph you know and I and I think that's really like important and impactful that she's like let's go let's do this you know like the NBA releases the rules and she's like no I'll shoot from the NBA line you know like I like just the fact that she wants it so much makes me so excited and I think you know regardless of who wins or loses there's going to be like just horrible discourse about it online. And I'll just do my best to avoid it altogether. But mm-hmm. I I I love her competitive spirit and I love that she's going for it. Um, so to me, like I'm looking forward to this the most. Um yeah. I mean, would I bet on Steph to win? Yes. Cause I there's just a fluidity and a smoothness to a shot that is just you know it's like beyond human and Sabrina's shot is amazing but it it's like you know it's like a, a like a lillard shot which is not bad but it doesn't have that fresh crispness that a Steph Curry shot has does that make sense
0: yeah i get what you're saying but i would bet on sabrina based on just recent success because steph has always struggled in the three point contest and okay. I was I was at Sabrina's last year in Vegas, and it you was were there. Insane. Yeah, I was there. <sighs> Talk about a bad All Star game, by the way. Ooh, the WNBA's was horrible. Like their actual game was it was they played even less hard than the NBA players. But that's pretty bad. Just like off recency bias, what Sabrina did in the in that All Star was in insane. Three point shot. I kind of I, I kind of want to go with her
1: i think she uh, wouldn't she wouldn't do it if she didn't think she could win
0: yeah and plus talk about practice steph's in the middle of a season sabrina can practice a little bit
1: yeah yeah and i'm sure she has been um and she's younger you know fresher legs (laughs) all that she's more (laughs) spry um listen i hope she wins and i and i uh and i'll do a little i'll do a little dance and have a toast uh if she does because i'll be thrilled um any other like uh highlights from saturday night like do you want to talk about the three-point contest outside of the sabrina Steph matchup uh damian lillard is going for a back-to-back
0: yeah do you remember who the runner-up was last year was it tyrese
1: i don't recall i
0: don't know but i'm gonna go with tyrese halliburton
1: okay Okay. Very he got some
0: good practice last night when the Raptors left him open for five (laughs) wide open threes. So I feel like that's basically the all-star the three-point shootout is just like the Raptors defense.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh Uh, yeah, I could see it. I could definitely see it. Um, I don't know if he's gonna go back to back, Lillard. I mean, I feel I feel like Tyrese is a really good pick. Um Donovan Mitchell, his odds are really low, but I feel like he'll do well. (laughs)
0: You're looking at the odds. I read, the ar- odds I read an oh, I read I read an article
1: that had odds. Wow. Here, let me pull this up again. Um, is it this one? No, 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 no. It was this random CBS sports article. Okay, so the odds are um Lillard is the betting favorite at four at plus four seven five. I actually don't know what any of this means with Halliburgy me with Halliburton listed at plus five fifty. Um, Trey Young, Malik Beasley, Jalen Brenson, and Carl Anthony Towns are listed at plus six hundred. Uh, with Larry Markin at plus six fifty, and Donovan Mitchell at plus seven hundred. I don't know if Donovan Mitchell will win, but he seems like he'd get past the first round.
0: That's that's fair. I'm not a betting man either, but
1: no, I like your I like your Halliburton pick. Um, I like your Halliburton pick. We should go with that now. I know you don't care about the All-Star game, but who do you think is going to win MVP?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Oh, man. Let I, th- me I, think it, with... I think it could be Shea. Yeah, I'm not going to go with him, though, because he doesn't shoot enough. Tyrese Maxey? No, he won't play enough. Um, I don't know. I'll say Dame. you think
1: dame's gonna win it
0: i just think you have to shoot a lot of threes and you have to get hot and that's the only way you win it unless they start playing hard so yeah i'll go with dame
1: yeah that's fair i usually don't pick an older player Mm -hmm. like a player over 30
0: yeah no shake could win it for sure he just needs to shoot a lot of threes
1: yeah well maybe he will
0: uh
1: all right let's move on Uh, I want to do one more NBA topic before we get into the Raptors. Uh, I want to ask you about bold predictions going into the second half of the season. Even though we already kind of passed the halfway point, I feel like All-Star is always that like pinnacle, like, okay, we're going into the next half of the season. I sent you a fun uh, Bleacher Report article that had these like list of different bold predictions. And I said you could pick from this list or have your own. So I want your hot takes, Oren.
0: I got some. I've been thinking about them all my whole walk home. Gonna...
1: <laughs> in the snow, right. no less.
0: In the snow, no less. Talk about a icy prediction.
1: There we go. Okay,
0: okay. I'll give you one in each conference, kind of.
1: Okay, love that. In the
0: Western Conference, <laughs> I don't even know if I'm going to pick them as my MVP, but I'm going to say I like the odds here. You know, obviously... We got Shea and uh, Jokic leading the race. Totally fair, but I think Luka Doncic is my—he's my MVP dark horse candidate. Uh-huh. I just think the Mavericks made a couple moves at the deadline. Did they overpay for Gafford and PG Washington? Yes, insanely. Um, but they—they they got better at the deadline. They're on a winning streak right now. Everyone knows Luka's like in that caliber. It's just about the team success. So I think that the the Mavs, you know, Kyrie's healthy finally. I think the Mavs go on a run to end this season. The MVP is based on narrative. And so they go on a run. They catch up a little bit in the standings and get a playoff spot. And um, Luka Doncic, I could totally see him winning MVP. So that's a little bold prediction at West.
1: I like it. I, uh, I, you know, with Embiid's injury, I feel like it's, it's changed the MVP race. I feel like it's more wide open than it typically is this time of year. So right. I do think, you know, a dark yeah. horse candidate could, uh, could take it this year. I, I, I agree. Uh, okay. What's your one for the West
0: in the East? Okay. Or in the East, my bad in the East, this one is just stupid, um, <laughs> Because there's been really not a lot this year that would lead you to believe this, but I, i'm a I'm a victim of, you know, history and and I'm biased. So I think the Miami Heats are going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, I think they will beat any team other than Boston in the East. Milwaukee, you know, Philly, New York, those teams don't scare me if I Miami. Because when Jimmy Butler gets healthy and gets right and is in playoff mode, he's better than anyone that those teams have, unless Embiid comes back. And that's not true. Giannis is better, but uh, he's right there. (laughs) He's right there with Giannis when he's at his best. They trade for Terry Rozier. Bam is like one of the best defensive players in the year. They have a good amount of depth. They have the best coach in all those series. And I've just seen it enough times. Like, I trust the Heat. And I, I don't think they take the regular season very seriously. To their detriment but they're figuring things out like they use the regular season to figure things out and i've i've seen enough from bam's development um from guys like uh duncan robinson's development terry Rozier is kind of figuring it out there and if jimmy comes back from this personal leave and and everything fits into place i I could see them going to the eastern conference finals
1: very cool i don't think that's a silly take at all um i mean i think the east is a bit more you know i feel like boston's kind of in a class of its own and then everybody else is a lot more jumbled up and like yeah, it's hard to believe in milwaukee right now you know with all their inconsistencies and stuff and uh <laughs> new york i mean you know new york has to also that's another team that needs to new get york. healthy
0: new york new york yeah <laughs>
1: So, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh you know I, I i agree it's another year where like miami they could take it it's hard for me to be like you know to to me last year felt like such a fluke that for them doing it again would be pretty wild but yeah i mean it is in the realm of possibility um
0: yeah i will
1: will say my my kind of like bold bold uh take slash uh icy prediction this was in the article too but i was thinking about it is i think trey young and the hawks are done that that's Mm. my that's my bold one is like i think like this could be the last year of the trey young experiment and i think you know in in recent years i just feel like the nba always has some superstar that's unhappy and it's part of the 24-hour media cycle that they have now and every summer it's been somebody and i think it it could be trey young's summer to to move
0: yeah yeah no i saw that in the article too and i agree i think um i could see it and i think the lakers would be my 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 betting spot for him to land
1: yeah i mean it might be why they didn't move on zach levine injury aside um You know, because they could have done that earlier in the season. They could have made that move in December, uh, but they didn't because I think, you know, they probably have their eye on Trey, which uh, would definitely be interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. Let's move on to our Raptors Homer moment year. To me, it was a big week for the Raptors. Uh, Obviously, we had Pascal's return, but we also had, you know, Scotty Barnes leaving the game early leaving the bench early and going into the locker room and uh, it became a bit of a to-do and then the next day to me which was more surprising was that you know the coaches released a statement saying that like they spoke to Scotty and then Scotty released a statement saying like we didn't have that conversation to me that was more uh, glaring than what happened at the game itself but Oren let me know your thoughts on this whole Scotty leaving the bench seconds early debacle i wish i had a better name for it
0: yeah i agree with you i think the most alarming part was not necessarily the fact that he walked off early but the way that the raptors handled it um because when he walked off originally i thought it was like he had a knee injury that day And so originally I thought like he was kind of nursing the knee injury and they at least could use that as an excuse if they really wanted to get ahead of it. And been like, yeah, Scotty wanted to get some treatment. Like they could have said that and there would have been no story here. Instead, like you said, Darko said, we had a conversation. He understands how serious it is. You can't do that. And then Scotty was asked about it. He's like, no, we didn't have no conversation. And so it's just a kind of failure of communication. I, I think like, As a coaching staff, your job is to make sure like everyone's on the same page, even if that is just the messaging to the media, like that's a big part of your job. So they messed up in that regard. And we were talking about this at the game yesterday. Like people will remember Pascal Siakam did pretty much the exact same thing. It was a little bit earlier in the game. There was like a minute left rather than a few seconds. But in the bubble, he walked off. in the the in the
1: tampa season
0: right sorry yeah yeah so he walked off left the court and then they suspended him for a game uh for that action and it was pretty like controversial at the time i think because most teams wouldn't do that and i think the raptors were like trying to send this message where like if you're gonna be the leader of this team you're gonna be our best player you have to be you know exceptional even not just like the other guys but like an exceptional character and it didn't surprise me that the raptors didn't suspend scotty like i didn't expect them to the way they've handled him has always been with kid gloves in Uh in a way
1: uh
0: so i didn't because i I think there's more harm than good in doing that in terms of there's a real risk of scotty getting mad at the organization for that and, and then it kind of starting this this fissure that could get bigger but I was surprised that they didn't make it a bigger deal and and just like kind of admit like yeah it was an issue like it was bad and Scotty say like yeah like I'm sorry it was bad and just kind of address the issue instead they kind of ignored it and just kind of wanted to move past it so mm-hmm. I mean it wasn't great but like generally speaking on a, on a broader picture Scotty's young he's he's now the face of the franchise he has all these new responsibilities he has to learn how to how to grow into them and that's going to take some time so I don't I don't think this was any like huge deal either but it was kind of the first the first hiccup in the Scotty Barnes experience I think
1: yeah I mean as a as a fan I and you can tell me if I'm just like in my feelings too much or something the whole thing kind of rubbed me the wrong way You know, because to the way I'm looking at it, it's like, come on, man, like you were just named an all star. It's like a really big deal. And I'm sure this organization like pushed for that to some degree for that to happen. And to, you know, like a week later, act like that is like really disappointing to me. Like, I, I feel like, you know, LeBron's done it. LeBron has left the bench before the end of a game before. But it wasn't because he was frustrated with his own play. He was frustrated with his teammates and did it to send a message to them, which I think has a whole other like connotation to it than if you're just leaving because you're frustrated with yourself or frustrated in general. I mean, obviously losing sucks. Nobody likes to lose. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Like it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I know he is young. He's only what, 22. It, you know, but I I in my many years of watching NBA basketball, there's been plenty of 22-year-olds who have been like the star of their team. Now I'm sure they had growing pains also, but it's just like I don't know, like like oh hello, what's the cat's name?
0: Joni. Hi Joni.
1: Joni, okay, we have a visitor. Hi Joni. Uh <laughs> I do love pets, so it's all good. Um yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what my expectations should be of Scotty. I mean, something I've been asking, you know, on this podcast at the beginning of the season was who's the leader of this team and who's the vocal leader of this team? Because you, it's one thing to say, Scotty's the best player of the team, but it's another thing to say he's also the leader. And so I, I I don't know if he has fully immersed himself into that role yet, or if he even wants to be that person. hmm but I, I do feel like it's, uh, it's a thing. I think it's a real thing. Um, what do you think? Am I being dramatic?
0: No, not at all. And I was surprised at the trade deadline when they did the deal to get off Schroeder's salary where they had to trade uh-huh. Schroeder and Thad. Because, you know, when you watch games, you always see that three man combo of Schroeder, Thad and Garrett Temple sitting by the coaches. That's kind of your veteran leadership core. Those guys are the talkers. Thad was the guy who this season would always give the hype speech before the game started, even before he was playing. So, you know, the Raptors have said, we value these veteran leaderships, these veteran leaders, like we want voices in the locker room, yada, yada, yada. And then they go and trade two of their most important guys. So it's been weird in that regard where, they're putting a lot of responsibility on Scotty's shoulders where he's shown that he's not ready as a leader. Like just to be blunt about it, he, Mm -hmm. he's not Shea Gilgis Alexander, right? Like he's not the guy that like has those innate leadership skills and knows how to like get a young team to just like completely rally around him and, and whatnot. And so I mean Kelly Olinick was a good one in terms of bringing them in. I'm sure this offseason they're gonna do the same thing and 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 continue to bring in vets like that. Because, like you said, like they he's not the 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 vocal leader of the locker room yet. And until he is, and I tweeted this, like all you can do is surround him with vets and surround him with coaches who accelerate that process, but that's all you can really do. Like you can't force the issue yeah Um, yeah
1: no i think that's a great point as you were mentioning that like i was thinking about uh because i'm old i was thinking about the vince carter era right because that was like a young superstar that the team was building around but and they but they had vets around him and they weren't just vets they were like charles oakley and like antonio davis like they were vets who were in the starting lineup you know what I mean? Which I think is a difference. Like, I think that was very impactful. So like Vince wasn't necessarily a vocal leader, but he never had to be. And, And I think like that is, that is important. Like just as we're talking about this out loud, I'm like, yeah, like we, yes, we need veterans, but we need veterans who are like good enough to be like on the floor with him throughout the game. So maybe that's something that we look at in the off season as well. I don't know, but um yeah definitely some some growing pains uh this week um anything else you want to say about that
0: yeah i think it's just interesting in terms of like can you have a team where your best player isn't your leader that's one thing the raptors are going to have to figure out like does scotty have to become the vocal leader or can you actually kind of like do it by committee and, and have the vets do it and whatever um because I think a lot of people will tell you your best player just has to be the, the vocal leader or it doesn't work. Um, and Scotty will just have to kind of grow into that role, I think. Um, and, and yeah, I, again, I expect them to like use some of those picks to like trade for vets. I don't think they're yeah. just going to draft a bunch more kids and, and like let I it lay out because it could be a, a little bit of a disaster if you do that. And, and again, like I argued with people on Twitter about this, because people were like, well, that's what OKC did. They just did a bunch of picks and look how good they are. And it's like comparing Scotty to Shea as a leader would be like the stupidest thing you can do as a franchise. Someone was like, you can't just wave your hand at the Shea magic and like dismiss it. And it's like, actually, I do. I think Shea is like Steve Nash, like the type of leader you get once in like a long time. Yeah, yeah and otherwise if if that's not the case you really have to be careful about surrounding those young guys with with like you said vets who can actually play and command their respect and i think kelly is a good start in that regard
1: mhm i agree i agree um yeah, uh let's move on and talk about uh Pascal Siakam's return on Valentine's Day. Is this one of the better Valentine's Day in Raptors <laughs> history? I do recall um uh Sergi Baca was traded to the Raptors on Valentine's Day. Wow. That that was number one for what a, a gift while. for
0: the women of Toronto, eh? thank
1: you, right? It was yeah. it felt like a real <laughs> gift. Yeah. Uh maybe that will always be number one, but this is a close second, if not if not number one as well. Um were you you were at the game last night yeah we're recording this on thursday it'll be out friday uh tell us uh, tell us about the game what was the experience like being there
0: it was really cool like there was this moment where i don't know how much was caught on tv but i guess probably not much but when they were doing the national anthem which the tv doesn't they, they usually record other stuff over that the jumbotron kept panning to pascal during the canadian national anthem and every time it panned to him the crowd would just start cheering during the (laughs) national anthem and pascal just kept like smiling but he was trying to hold a straight face because it was the national anthem (laughs) but he also knew he was on the jumbotron and people were clapping so there was like It was really cool that that just like kept happening and people just like kept cheering for him. And he kept like trying not to smile, but like you could see him fighting it. And then after that, they did the video tribute and there was like a long standing ovation. And then he was like motioning like, I'm not crying, like I'm not crying. (laughs) But he was close. So we almost made him cry. Um, So it was really cool. The one maybe Bona had to pick with it. Was like, I'm sure you read his Players Tribune article where he said, like, he used to look during the national anthem for his jerseys and he didn't see any. And then he started seeing more and more pop up. And he was like, I hope when I come back to Toronto, people will still be wearing his jerseys. And I'm sure a lot of Raptors fans read it. And I'm sure a lot of them were planning to wear his jerseys to the game. Uh But what the Raptors did was they gave like a whole section of fans. I don't know if you saw this. I did see this. Pascal jerseys. And it looked cool in the photos. But I wish it was just a more natural thing of like, look, uh-huh. hundreds of people are going to wear his jersey to the game. Let that be like the natural experience of what happens rather than like planting a section. To me, it it was just unnecessary to plant a section with his jerseys. Again, it looked cool for the photo. We do everything for social media nowadays. That's another podcast. But um, uh-huh. that was my one bone to pick.
1: Um. Look, I agree. I mean, I, put, I, I, no, I listen. Um... I put, on, I put on makeup for this podcast. Like, I'm not wearing makeup at home by myself. <laughs> so I guess we all do everything for social media. But right. no, I agree. I felt like the whole thing was a little staged to say the least i mean it was legit stage yeah
0: <laughs> um but
1: it did feel that way um but that is kind of like how things are trending and then and then the players tribune article almost made it seem like did he know they were gonna do that because that would have no, to. no i don't think out. so that would have to be planned out in advance
0: it it was, but I don't think it was planned out that far in advance. I think it was like a couple days in advance. They just got like a bunch of jerseys and put them on the seats.
1: You think so? Do you yeah, think? Do you think? Do you think? OGN and an Obi is like, wow, I didn't get a whole.
0: Well, it's actually interesting jersey. you you brought it up because O.G. hasn't returned yet, but Fred did. Right. Couple couple of week like a week ago, and I was at that game too. And Fred, now you see why I have a hat on. Fred. Uh, <laughs> he didn't play which ruined a bit of of like the fun but regardless it was just a way not as good of a video tribute not as good of a vibe not as good of a a stand it really did show you what Pascal meant to the franchise I think a lot of casual fans would think Fred and Pascal are kind of on an even playing field in terms of like what they meant and what kind of reception they get. But if you went to both those games, you saw that, like, no disrespect to Fred, who I think has a lot of fans, and everyone loves his story undrafted, whatever. Uh But Pascal connected with the city in a different way than Uh Fred, which I think, honestly, was special. Like, just the way that he managed to connect as, you know, like an immigrant in in a city with, like, A huge African population, Uh I think, was huge. And also as, like, this chip on his shoulder, like, underrated. I think, like, Canadians relate in the basketball world. Like, underrated. You got to work twice as hard to get to where you get. And then he, like, gets to a two-time All-NBA player. Really the first homegrown guy we had who got to that status and wanted to stay. Uh So, it, it was definitely yeah. you felt you felt that kind of connection there
1: yeah and i think there's a difference too between being traded and, and leaving in free agency right. you know especially right. with fans right like i feel mm-hmm. like you know that leaves mm-hmm. a different impression on a fan base as well but mm-hmm. yeah no it was great to see him back on valentine's day top two like i said <laughs> but um yeah i don't know it i I love how much he loves the city and that even though he left like a month ago now or maybe even slightly longer um he's still talking about how much he loves toronto and how much it means to him which has to be genuine because you don't do that a month later if it isn't true um yeah real very random before we go on to our hottie highlight of the week shout out to norm powell oh my god the hit that he took i was seriously Uh like I was so concerned like I was I was out that Saturday night and I was like I just have to put my phone away or I'm going to worry about him all night and then (laughs) I googled it the next day and that he was okay and he avoided like any you know serious injuries thank God because head injuries are always scary and now he has this massive scar Mm. right down his forehead with some sports commentator I don't recall which broadcast said chicks dig scars right which is just it's i'm sorry it's a massive eye roll for me because he's norm powell and we would women are gonna love him regardless not just because he's a basketball player but he's norman powell all right like he doesn't anyway it's fine uh, <laughs> it's fine i just want to give him a shout out because oh my god that was like one of the worst hits i've ever yeah. seen in on in the nba uh very random i just my heart had to give him a shout out okay this week's hottie highlight of the week is going to the 905 organization and i say this because they just dropped a really awesome uh black history month jersey i highly recommend you check it out Uh, I no the 905 isn't associated with this podcast no one's paying me to do this or anything like that I just genuinely love this jersey as well they created a special jersey for the lunar new year and I really like how this team is connecting with the community and these jerseys are honestly just awesome like they're really really cool and I feel like they deserve a special shout out so they get my hottie highlight of the week
0: yeah no I love both of the jerseys too and just to prove that we're not paid out by the 905 I'll <laughs> criticize I'll criticize them okay um,
1: <laughs> yeah my it.
0: only my only like critique is that like I wish there was more uh marketing that went into some of these games like it was Canada basketball night there a couple of nights ago where, oh I didn't
1: even know that
0: exactly like Victor lapena and naira fields like a couple of the the women who just qualified for the Olympics went and I didn't know about it until at like 5 PM that day, like there was just nothing about it. And, uh, I just wish the nine Oh five, like promoted their games a little bit more. Uh Um, maybe they just don't have the budget for that, but like, yeah, I would have gone to that if I had known. And, Uh uh, it was just something that wasn't out there until like a couple couple like hours before the game so mm-hmm. they are doing good things they have a good team um they're exciting they they have cool jerseys my only critique is like uh you know tell the fans tell the fans a little bit in advance well, what's going on
1: well you know what maybe they should be paying me uh mm-hmm. as part of exactly. their marketing <laughs> um yeah you know um i haven't been to a 905 game yet this year i need to know me to either there. i went
0: last year I went.
1: I want to say the year before, um, but regardless. Uh, all right, Oren, let's wrap it up there. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Uh, for all our listeners, in case they don't already, uh, let us know uh, what you're up to and where they can find you on the internet.
0: Yeah, I kind of plugged myself at the beginning, but again, you can find me at Twitter at Oren Weisfeld, where I post all my work and any any updates for the book I'm writing. Um, but that's that's about all, all, all I'll say for today.
1: Okay, well, uh, thank you so much. Uh, thank you everyone for uh, joining us this week. Happy All-Star Weekend for those who celebrate and we'll catch you next time, bye.